right, so quick introduction. My name is Nate. Um, if you stop by the coffee spot downstairs, that's my wife and I's little adventure. Um, quick, quick background into us. There we go. Um, my wife and I uh, both met at Valley Forge Christian College, and now it's the University of Valley Forge. And uh, we were mentored by Dick Ruber, who Dick Ruber and uh, David Boyd were best friends. So if you went to his sessions, I heard a lot of stories of David. So now I got to hear a lot of stories of my mentor, Dick Ruber, which was fun from him today. Um, so we had that wonderful opportunity that came to us. We did a lot of camps. We did a lot of churches that we were part of. I have a master's degree from Ashland Seminary, so we actually went to New Life. Um, yeah, we attended there when uh, Brent and Lisa Page were the pastors there and uh, graduated there, and then God kind of moved us on from different spots. Um, but we're always involved in kids' ministry until about five years ago when God was like, you're done doing that, and I want you to open up a coffee shop that does ministry in the community. And we were like, what? <laughs> this is not kids' ministry. So we've been on a, a kind of a slow trajectory learning business, and this is new to us, so don't have a degree in it at all. Um, but the hope that we have inside is to be part of the community, and then use our kids' ministry background to influence the families for Jesus in different ways. Because the skills that you learn as a kids' pastor that you do in your kids' church, you can use in the community relatively easy. You can do a puppet, can juggle, can talk to parents, can color, can do these different things. Don't need to be in a church setting to do. You can do it in the community easy. You just need a way to make it happen. And so we believe the coffee is the kind of the way, the entry point into people's lives. So that's what we've been doing for a little bit now. Um, so, And we're just grateful that um, they keep having us back to <laughs> serve coffee here. It means it's a good thing. So we're excited about that. Um, so, um, so yeah, so we have a coffee shop in Hilliard, uh, which is about 20 minutes that way um, on the western side of Columbus. We opened up our second location at the Gateway Film Center, which is right across from the Gateway. So we're about a block from OSU. That came out of nowhere. Um, they actually came to us and said, we really like your culture that you're doing in Hilliard. We'd like you to create the same culture right here in OSU, a block from the campus. So we were like, okay, God, this is a new adventure for us. So we just opened that one up in January. And so we're learning what's it like to have two spots. What's it like to um, do ministry differently in different spots around the city. So um, do we need a chair? There's, I think there's a chair. What are you looking for? Oh, you're looking for something? Oh, her purse. Uh-oh. Uh, no, you're fine. Uh, anybody see a purse lying around that's not yours? <laughs> no? No? Sorry about that, man. No, you're good. You're fine. Um, so, yeah, so we got that. And then at this point, we're just kind of praying and asking the Lord to kind of direct us where we need to go next um, as a business and as a ministry. Um, so, yeah, so it's been fun. All right, so today's session um, is about connecting and designing your ministry and specifically talking about four different points. Um, how to connect to your lead pastor, how to have or create a budget even if you have zero dollars, how to create an impactful outreach, and then how to prevent burnout. All four of these have been something my wife and I have personally walked through in different, and we're still walking through them in different ways. Um, so I'm going to use a lot of my, my stories that I've had from my past um, to inform that, but I don't have all the answers, so 
I will rely on you. You might have a couple ideas that might work for you that you're like, hey, I want to share this idea. Um, so what we'll do is I'll share a little bit and then I'll open it up to you guys and you guys can share back and forth. Hey, this worked for me. This didn't work for me. Um, and then we'll go, we'll take a couple of those. So just really simple, really, really easy. But uh, so before we begin, I want to read a book from, uh, from Bonnie Miller. Uh, it's called Let the Children Come. Um, if you want to write this down, you can. Now, I'll forewarn you, uh, Bonnie comes from the feminist mindset when it comes to children's ministry. So she's got a lot of that bent onto it, which is good because it's different. There are some key things in here that I love what she says. There's some things in here I'm like, eh, I'm not sure I completely agree from my, my biblical point of view. But I do want to read a little, little excerpt from what she wrote in here just to start off our time here. She says, my children's needs and desires cause me to question many um, prominent cultural values. In more Christian language, they call me to account as they reveal in ways which my family and the Christian community fall short of Christian ideals about children and the good life. Most essentially, I have found myself constantly challenged to keep at bay powerful cultural trends and to probe the nature of my faith commitments as I express them to my children. I am especially troubled by the middle class obsession with securing success for one's own children with hardly a thought of the other child. And paired with this, the extent to which parents use their children's accomplishments in soccer or math or violin to somehow feel better about themselves. From where did such an overriding perception of children evolve? How does one grip, grapple with this as a Christian parent? What are, I ask, some of the primary revolutions in views of children? Do Christianity's most basic convictions have anything to say about them? So we have a parent here who's writing from her perspective of, I'm, convi I'm conflicted here between what my kids are part of and what my Christian values tell me to do. And I don't know which one is right because this sounds really good, but uh, Jesus doesn't say this. And that, that constant tension that we feel in our kids' ministry with our parents is right there. Um, even as a parent of four girls, yes, feel extremely sorry for me, I have four girls. Um, <laughs> even with four girls, knowing that what they're going to be coming into relatively short life, with my daughter turning nine this year, she's getting older. Things are going to start becoming more, oh, what's this about my body? What's going on here? Boys, I don't like, oh, wait a minute, maybe I do. These things that I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I don't want to deal with right now, right, are going to be happening. So as a parent, I sit back and I'm like, okay, how do I help my daughters wrestle between the culture versus the Christian values that I'm going to teach. And this is our world as kids ministers. How do we do this well? Because our parents are going to be coming to us going like, help. I don't, I don't know what to do. And that's a daunting task because we're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. All right? So these are some of the things. So as we think through connecting and designing your ministry through these four facets. Have that in the back of your head about how important these things are as you drive your ministry forward. So a couple de definitions just to define. I don't have any type of fancy thing, so my apologies for that. Um, the word connection, it, it's basically a relationship between a person or thing or idea. It's, connect, it's linking one thing to another, like a flow of electricity. We have a connection that goes on. So we're going to be connecting the idea of how do I how do I connect to my lead pastor and you? We're going to create that connection. 
because that's an important connection. Um, these connections are necessary for us to go where we need to go. The next word is design, and design defines itself as a plan or an arrangement of lines and shapes to form a certain pattern for a purpose that's behind the scenes. So we're going to design today an idea of why it's important to have a budget. Why is it important to design a budget? Why is that even important? Because we want to connect our budget to what? So we've got to start making layers here to make it happen. And then ministry, as we all know, it's a work or a vacation of a minister. Or, ironically enough, it's a part of time in a government that oversees a head. So a certain ministry department within a government structure. So someone oversees something. So how do you, as a minister with children, design and connect between these four topics. And that's what we're going to hit on. How do, we, how do we do that? And so here are some just basic ideas. All right, so the first one, how to have a working relationship with my lead pastor. So before I begin, I need to ask, who in the room is a lead pastor? Nobody. Fantastic. How many in the room are married to a lead pastor? Okay, close enough. Anybody else? All right, cool. All right, wonderful. Now, uh, how do you connect to your lead pastor? This is probably one of the most interesting topics. And you ask anybody, everyone has their kind of their own idea. Some people are like, yeah, my lead pastor and I are best friends. And everyone's like, I've never seen my lead pastor ever. Like, we don't do anything together. I know he preaches on Sunday, and I don't know what happens to him after that or her, right? So it's, it's, it's this back and forth type thing. So depending on your church size, if it's big or if it's small, if it's larger, you might have a hard time connecting to your lead pastor because the amount of stuff that they're doing or they're focused on. Um, as an example, Craig Rochelle's church, Life Church, um, he's got a team of team and team and team of people because it's a large organization. Chances are you as a kids worker serving there probably won't be meeting Craig Rochelle anytime soon. More than likely not. But you'll be meeting the supervisor that might be meeting with Craig Rochelle. So you'll have to figure these things out. How does it work if you really want to connect with the person that's leading the vision? Now if you're part of a smaller church, it might be a little bit easier to connect to your lead pastor because, well, they're there. Or maybe they're bivocational, and so maybe they work here or work there. Maybe you can have lunch with them or something like that. There's some ideas we can toss around there, but depending on your size, you can, you can go that direction. Um, my lead pastor that I had in Pennsylvania right before God told us to leave and do this thing, um, he was brand new into it. So he was being mentored by another guy. Um, and when we came in, he was brand new into leading a church thing. He was really good at preaching. He spent hours preparing his sermon, more than I think anybody should, but he spent hours preparing his sermon. Um, he wanted to be of excellence, which is good. The problem is he kind of neglected specifically me. His best friend was the associate pastor, his other friend was the secretary, and then there was me that was hired on. So you have this kind of weird triangle dynamic that took place where I kind of felt like I was over here. Um, and I felt that immediately when I got in, just thinking like, oh, maybe it's just me, maybe it's my personality or whatever. I just, you know, I just thought of that. And so I was just praying about it, observing, and then about a month or two in, I kind of approached him and I just said, hey, because he asked me, hey, how's things going? Are you doing well? And I was like, I'll be honest with you, I kind of don't even know who you are because we don't connect. We have staff meeting, and you know that I run the kids' ministry, and if something goes wrong, then I hear from you. If something goes right, I don't hear from you. So I'm not sure what's, I don't know what it is. So I wrote, a, I wrote three letters, sat there and read it to them, because I wasn't sure how to approach this well. Um, and I had a couple different mentors and different people that I gauged this off of, going like, is this inappropriate? I'm going out of line. How do I connect to my lead pastor? 
And um, every single time he would just dismiss, oh, that's, that's not the case, that's not the case, and that's the case. Came to a head once when my immaturity definitely showed out at one point, where he asked me to do something and I grudgingly said, fine, I'll do it. And I went ahead and did it. And then he was like, oh, we need a chalk. So he took me out to lunch. He was like, hey, we need to work on a relationship. I was like, yeah, you, th you think? Um, and so finally worked on that together. And then um, the best thing that he did for us as a staff was during lunchtime, at least once or twice a week, we did wiffle ball together. So in outside the church, in the church parking lot during our lunch break, we went out and he bought a wiffle ball and a bat and us as a staff went out there and we just threw a wiffle ball for a half hour and it was great exercise and we loved it. And it was probably the most meaningful connecting time I had with my lead pastor was just over wiffle ball during lunchtime. Um, and it got us close. So when I left, we had a good relationship, but it still wasn't there. He still spent a lot of time with his friends. And I my wife and I still felt excluded from that thing. Fast forward five years later, two, three other children's pastors at that time. He hires a new guy, brand new out of college, out of Valley Forge. He's doing well on paper. He's doing really well. Everyone really likes him. The lead pastor, he loves him. About a month or two months in, he's having an issue with him already, kind of like we had with me and with the guy after me, and the girl after me as well. Um, they start hitting ahead all the time. And... Um, so he goes to his advisory team, in which one of my mentors is part of the advisory team, and says, I don't get it with these kids' ministers. I just feel like they're really good on paper, and they're really good to me, but man, about a month or two, it just feels like they're panicking. They're over the place. I just, I don't understand. And my mentor was like, no, they're not. You're all over the place. You're not investing in them. And because you're not investing in them, they don't know where you're going. They don't know how to tag along. They don't, they don't know how to promote your... Yeah, we got your mission values here, but they don't have this and whatever. And he's like, and that's what Nate's been telling you? That's what this guy's been telling you? That's what this girl's been telling you? And you just have missed it. And he's like, I don't have any other buddy else to give to you if you're not going to actually invest in them. Just straight up honest truth to his face. Light bulb went off in his head, started spending time with his children's pastor, and now they have a relationship that's absolutely wonderful. Things are going really well. They actually got their first physical location. They're not meeting in a school anymore, and the kids' ministry is growing because of that relationship. So just to kind of show you that story, this is not easy. This is very hard, and you need a lot of people in your corner to make it happen. So how do you connect your lead pastor if you don't have what I had or you're going through what I went through? So here's just some, some, some simple ideas. Ask to meet with them and ask a simple question. What's your heart for this church? What's your heart for this community? And then shut up. Don't say anything. Let them do all the talking. You write down notes. You write down thoughts. What's, what, what, why, did, why are they a lead pastor in this church? Why do they feel God called them to this community? Just ask those questions. Get to know them. Um, something that I've learned in the coffee shop world, people love to talk about themselves. So if you can make something or you can do something by asking them questions like that to talk about themselves, chances are the relationship's going to go a lot further, the walls are going to come down, and they'll actually be open to it if you just allow them to talk. So ask this, some, a question like that. Um, another one you can do is you can display the church's missions and values and apply that to your children's lessons. So what's your ch church's missions or their, their mission statement or their values? Put that over your kids' ministry walls. Write that on your desk. Put it on your door so the first thing you walk in, you see it. Because if he walks in or she walks into your room, what are they going to see? Whoa, that's the mission statement that the God gave me and my kid's pastor has it on their wall? <coughs> right? 
You're building value. You're building trust. You're small, you know, small, simple things that, that really make, make a difference. Um, find out what they enjoy or what they need and make it happen. So find out what their favorite restaurant is. Find out what they like to do. Do they like to watch a movie? Do they like to go rock wall climbing? Whatever it is, maybe they have a need. Maybe, uh, maybe their tire just went out and they have a flat and you know someone who can fix a tire or maybe you can do it. Do something to serve your lead pastor in a simple way. It doesn't have to be a me. It doesn't have to be like, whoa, you know? Something simple that could be easy enough that you can actually make it happen to share value care. Um, something I've been doing every year is write a note of thanks to your lead pastor every year. Just some sort of thank you so much for hiring me, for trusting me to do this job. Thank you for leading our church. And then go the extra mile and actually write something that you actually learned this year under in ministry. <laughs> Show that person that you're actually growing as a person underneath their leadership or underneath uh, just serving them. Um, love and care for your ministry like nothing else matters. Um, specifically by acting like a lead pastor to all your people that you work with or volunteer with. So, what would a lead pastor do? Well, a lead pastor would have their staff, they would have their volunteers, and what would they do? Or their congregation, right? And they would love on those people. They might go visit them, or they might set up teams to go visit them. You do that for your volunteers, or do that with your volunteers. Do it for each other. By showing you actually care for each other, you're modeling pastoral care, which is going to add value to you because you actually care. And he's going to be, or she's going to be like, I'm impressed. Like, they didn't have to do this. It's not part of their job description. But man, their whole volunteer team is great. Um, this came out of what we did at, in Pennsylvania. Uh, my wife and I would have people over a house at least four times a week, easy, for dinner. Now, I'm not asking anybody to do that. Um, a lot of people are like, that's a lot. Yes, it is. But relationship was key for us. So we had people over a house all the time. I wanted to know who my volunteers were. I wanted to know who my team leads were. I wanted to know even if, even if, like my wife was volunteering, so she had people over that she would work in a classroom together and they would connect, build relationship with each other so you have a nice strong team of service for each other instead of just, hey, I'll see you like two hours for one week and that's pretty much about it. Now, actually connect. Um, that, that goes a long way. I love that. You know that means you have to cook. Oh, yeah, you do. Uh-huh. <laughs> I got so good at cooking that way. It's like, or order out. I mean, depending on how much money you have. But I, I mean, that's how I got into cooking. That becomes more relaxation for me because of that. Because it's like, I'm going to have people over. I can't make mac and cheese every single night. <laughs> so, um, yeah, right? Right? Um, so... Last thing you can do um, is, uh, again, when you meet with your lead pastor, be prepared when you're going to talk or ask them questions. Um, but then invite them to do part of your ministry outings or invite them to be part of your family. Invite them over to your house for dinner, something simple like that. Um, be part of it. So why is this important? Um, it's important to connect with your lead pastor in these different ways because you're building because um, you're showing worth in the time and the money for the position or within the trust of your volunteering to make this thing happen. So you're showing that person, whoever's in leadership, I'm worth investing into. I'm worth caring for. And I'm going to go the extra mile to show that. And these are simple things. These are not like rocket science. Oh, my gosh. No, this is easy. This is a simple text. Hey, I'm praying for you. Over. Okay? No, we're not talking. I'm going to go buy Mount Kilimanjaro for you. And we're not talking something crazy like that. Okay? Troy, anytime you want to buy me Mount Kilimanjaro, just let me know. <laughs>
uh, all right, so you're building trust in a team. And then biblically, you're being obedient and faithful in leadership. So you're obeying the leadership in head as a biblical mandate. So you're obeying that, that due. Um, so how about you? Any other ideas that you can connect or that way have worked for you or didn't work for you as you were connecting with your lead pastor? So your turn to talk. Give us some ideas. If you have. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Empty and trash cans, whatever. I mean, I'm yep. not in a big church where we have like a custodial staff, but you know, just helping around, helping out around. Yep. Going the extra mile. Yep. Sure. It builds a lot. I did what he did. I'm a gardener, and mm -hmm. I love outside. So wonderful. I wonderful. Teach the children how yeah. to garden by we plant flowers cool. and we do things. Cool. It helps the church look nice, and that's where the yeah, which adds value to the building and the property. Good. Yeah. One more thought. Any other examples? Yeah, just uh, developing a, a, uh, an intimate relationship through prayer and, uh, yeah. uh, and fellowshipping together. Yes. Big time. Guys. Yep. And it wasn't forced or anything. It just just happened. Yep. I, I just seemed like yeah. We hit it off, you know. Yeah. Yep. He's a like mindset. Yep. You know? Exactly. So. Exactly. Bring bring him lunch or something like that, or bring her lunch, and. And I did forget that doing, you know, how cold it's been. Yeah. And so my church is ninety eight percent African. Mm. So I taught my boys. I'm having my young men yeah. go and assist the young mothers with bringing oh, their that's babies good. Yeah. in and. That's older good. women taking them to their seats. And that's good. When it's raining, I send them out with, with the umbrellas. Rain. Yeah, respect. That's good. That's good. Pastor thinks that's the yeah. It, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're caring for, in a way, as a pastor, you want to reproduce yourself. And one of the big things you do in ministry is serving. That's kind of the big heart of, of ministry. So you can teach people serving. Lead pastor sees that. You're really going to stand out because you're teaching your people how to serve, which is huge. If they have kids, somehow connect with their kids. Yes. Yes. Talk, talking with kids. Yeah, take their kids for a, have a date night or something like that. Ohio State on his door when he's a Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Have friendly rivalries. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, the last and most important thing, and you did touch on it, is pray for him daily or her daily. Pray for them daily. Um, even if they don't pray for you, you pray for them. And ask God to bless them with wisdom and insight and, and vision for what, what needs to happen. As you're praying for them, your heart will become softened, especially if you have a tension with your lead pastor. Maybe you've never seen your lead pastor before, ever. It's very possible. Um, just, pray, just pray for them. That was a shift I have to make with my lead pastor was stop being mad at him and just pray for him because he's a, he's a human being. He's got flaws and, and issues, and he's not seeing what I find important. So I just need to pray for him to soften my heart, and obviously our relationship got better. And it's also, I think it's important to remember, you just hit there, your pastor is human. Yeah. And just like you go through positions in life and phases in life, yeah. when your pastor's kids are in third grade, 
they're generally gung-ho about yeah. what's going on in kid men. Yeah. When your pastor's kids hit 8th grade, 10th grade, kid men doesn't mean as much. Youth ministry is very much... Yeah, right. It's, it's just a normal process yes. of life. And so yes. staying in that communication, just oh, yeah. keeping yourself there so they know, hey, yep. we're still here. Yep. Is an important thing. No, exactly. Hmm. Like eight years ago, and we're just talking about this the other day, but he was, he felt down about that ministry because he had that relationship yeah. that he had with his tension. Lots of, yeah. The pastor's first lead pastor, his mm-hmm. wife missed her home state and yeah. where from, and those kinds of things, and we ended up yeah. sleeping around the same time. Yeah. But God has brought reconciliation and yeah. Facebook and things like that, and all of their kids yeah. are ministers themselves. That's awesome. Yeah. And God helped us to remember that win. Yep. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Dick Gruber, who is a mentor, like I said, with uh, David Boyd, they're good friends. He would always tell us in class, he was like, you're there to serve your lead pastor, so whatever you need to do to serve, you serve them. And I thought, I'm like, really? Really? Like, do I, I don't want to serve him. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. I'm in my own position. I've got people. I need to serve my people. Why would I serve my lead pastor? And um, one of the probably the most dangerous things that I've ever done to my lead pastor is went and sat down knowing how busy I was. And I said, what could I do to help you? (laughs) Yeah, that was a horrible question to ask. However, it was a very important question to ask because it says, I know I'm busy. I know you're busy. What can I do to help you? How can I serve you? So by just asking that simple question, which is very dangerous, by the way, um, they may or may not take you up on it, but just by saying, what can I do to help you, put you in a position of a servant. And Jesus says, being a servant is what he did, and we're supposed to model that same service mentality. So, so let's move on to the next one, how to make a budget or use a budget, even if you have zero dollars. Um, so how do we connect you to a budget and what to do? Um, your budget is what you have to do what you want to do. So if you want to go do something, you need money to make that happen. No duh. Good job, Nate. High five. Thank you for that genius. Good good job, right? Okay. But budgets are God's way for you to steward the money that he has given to you to make sure you're wise with it. So it's not always a pleasant topic to look at a budget if you have one or you don't have one going like, how do I actually know if I'm using this correctly? Um, So let's start with how do I design a budget? First off, designing a budget, if you have never done one before, it is hard. I hate numbers. My wife Sharon is amazing with numbers. She finds so much joy in doing our taxes. She's an alien. I don't get it. I don't understand why that's fun. She gets all high off of it. I'm just like, stone me. I don't care. This is, this is, this is horrible. She absolutely, hate, I, she absolutely loves it. But I don't. I don't like it at all. So if you're like me and hate budgets, find someone who loves numbers and get them with you and saying, okay, how do I make this actually work? How do I actually create a budget? What does it actually look like? And so some thoughts to do as you're starting one out is think through what you need on a weekly basis as far as your supplies are concerned. So think through every room going like, what is the basic need for every room that I need to have money to do things? And then start thinking throughout the year. Okay, well, I want to have maybe an outreach in a park or maybe I want to have a parent's night out or I want to have that. Well, how much money is that going to cost? Don't worry about at this stage how are you going to get the money, or if you even have it, just start dreaming. What do I have? What do I, what do I want to do? Okay, God, what do you want done here? What do you want done here? And then start inviting people into the process to help you weed through, oh, maybe that's going to work or that's not going to work, and start putting like a realistic timeline onto it. Um, 
as you're buying stuff, I mean, buying things in bulk, buying things online is, is great. Um, and as you're writing things down, start writing things like, hey, here's realistic. We could probably need this. And here's future. Man, I would love to have this. Now, here's important. You want to create two different types of budgets. And here's the reason why. If you don't have a budget, if your church has not given you a budget or you're not sure what your budget is, you have to, you got a couple of things you have to work on. But before you go to these next steps that I'll share, you want to have an ideal budget and you want to have a futuristic budget. Because chances are you're going to go to your lead pastor and say, hey, here's what I want to do this year, but here's what I feel like God's telling me to do this year or next year. Start throwing it to his court. God's talking to me. Help, right? And then together you guys can pray through it. In a way, you're setting yourself up with your lead pastor of like, I actually care about what I'm doing here. And I actually thought, now, you may not be the lead pastor, you might be a volunteer. Even better, if you're writing things down that you feel like God is telling you to do and you go to your lead pastor and say, I've been praying and I feel like God wants us to do maybe one or two of these things. <laughs> the lead pastor is going to be like, oh, okay, this is different. All right, a volunteer is coming to me telling me God's saying do this. Okay, that's different. All right, so this is putting you in a position of God's talking to me. I might need to listen to this. So, so invite someone in to help you do the budget. As you're proposing the two budgets to your lead pastor or to your superiors of what you need, you need to come up to how much it's going to actually cost realistically how much it is. Again, I hate doing this. This is where the numbers people come into place. What does this look like? help me figure that thing out. And as you approach it, you might have to go and ask the church for money to make it happen. You might have to go to the church board to ask for money to make it happen. So start there. Start in-house. Be prepared to do fundraisers. I hate fundraisers. Be prepared to do fundraisers. Something that I've learned from my coffee shop, this is brilliant, sponsorships. Don't know why in the heck I didn't think about this years ago. And now I'm realizing as a coffee shop, I'm like, oh my goodness, people pay to put their stuff on my stuff and I don't, wow, where was this idea years ago? Maybe you have a business person in your church that's got a, maybe a, a basic business and you can go to them and say, hey, look, I want to put on an event with my kids or a parent's night out and it's going to cost me about probably $100 for the pizza and the volunteers to do it for a couple of hours. Would your business be willing to sponsor that program? I'll tell you what, as a business, if someone came to me and said, hey, I want to do something to bless my parents and my church, I'd be like, yeah, I'll be part of that. You want $100? Easy. Now, <laughs> scale up, you know, $1,000 here, whatever, you know, that sort of thing, depending on what your church can do. But those are some really good ideas that, that I'm learning in my business when it comes to sponsorships, of finding people that you may not, if you don't want to do fundraisers, you're like, hey, I can sell spaghetti dinners or I can go sell candy bars, I can do whatever. Why don't you just go to your church people and say, hey, would you be willing to sponsor? Or maybe even go to your parents and your church or maybe you as a collective in a small group say, we're going to sponsor VBS this year. I know VBS costs this much. We're going to start saving 5 or $10 every single time we meet. So by the time we hit summer, we've got $500 for VBS this year. It's not hard at all. You're sponsoring it as a church. So you're not really putting the financial burden on your lead pastor or the board or the church budget. You're actually inviting the entire church to be part of your process that God told you to do something. And it's really simple. This isn't hard. Because you just need one or two people to say yes, and the momentum starts happening. Um, and you start buying value. So, um, so when it comes to your budget, pray over it, pray over it, pray over it. 
make sure this is what God wants you to do because as you're proposing it, you better be ready because if God says yes, you're doing it. All right, so, so be, be prepared for that. Um, so money's God's, and if he wants you to make sure it happens, he's going to provide. So be faithful. Be faithful what you have. So um, anybody about budgets? Anything you found with budgets, how budgets have been helpful for you or budgets have been deadly to you? Anybody that want to share anything about budgets? Just real quick. Maybe you don't have a budget. Yeah, and here's some ways to create one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I've found that there are ways you can fundraise for that. They have a website called Shoebox Nation. Any of you that have done Shoebox Nation. Okay. You can go on online and line up with people that are. Yeah. Putting shoe boxes together, they do a year round. Yeah. Just in November, not yeah. November. Yeah. And you can fundraise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and just by getting people that uh, are in like mind with you. Yeah. Uh, for your ministry. Yeah. And they they will help to pay for the uh, shipping of the shoe box. Yeah. Because it costs nine dollars to ship. Yeah. I mean to yep. ship the shoe boxes. Yeah. And uh, yep. so I mean and sort of uh, of course. Ask for it. Uh, drive at the mm-hmm. time the shoebox ministry is held and people if you present the, the presentation uh, in your church through the videos and the missions program in your church that you, you will get uh, the money yeah they, they will uh, contribute the money to that ministry because it's about missions yep. it's about kids yep but if you want uh, additional ways to fundraise, Facebook is one of the ways you can do it. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. Yesterday, we were at the area leaders and Pastor Wooten uh, quote, made a quote yesterday, and I thought it's really good for right now. I think it's actually in the book that Robert uh, Morris that we've got out. But he says, <clears throat> you believe God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? Do we believe that? I believe God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Do you believe that the kingdom of heaven will be victorious? Mm-hmm. Do you believe that? Mm-hmm. That's that question. So you need to believe that God is calling you to do something in your kids' ministry that's yeah. going to be victorious for the kingdom of heaven. Right. God is going to provide the resources you will. Yeah. You need to have that attitude. Yeah. You go, you know, in all ministry, I'm just tweaking this yep. for your kid men. Right? Yep. Yeah, and that mindset. And chances are you don't need to think way up here. Yeah. All right, I'll just take the pressure off. You don't need to have a massive outreach that reaches your entire, literally your entire community if it's as small as a thousand or as big as ten thousand. Don't do it. All right, unless God's telling you to do that. Start small, very easy, very simple, because that's where the groundwork is laid. That's where the trust is built. Oh yeah, yeah. So you don't have to have a massive budget to do amazing things for God. Just really simple, really easy. Chances are, like me, I overthink every detail of everything. Chances are, if it's too hard, you're overthinking it. Bring the numbers people in. (laughs) Start praying about it. It'll absolutely change. You had your hand up. Um, I just wanted to get like a tip. Yeah. Um, I lead a um, homeless outreach Mm. at Christmas time, and we have a zero budget. Every single year, we start out with no money. 
believe it or not, businesses have a budget every single month yeah. that they have this money that they can give away. Yep. You have to ask. Yep. So don't be afraid to yep. ask. Yeah. Go in and tell them what you're doing and yep. who you are. Yep. And we really need these things. Do you have any money in your budget this Yep. This month, and if they don't, they'll say, "But you know what? Next month, if you get here at seven yeah. p.m. on the first, yep. I have a whole new budget yep. again." And yep. they also have yearly budgets mm -hmm. that you can fill out <coughs> yeah. and get fifteen hundred dollars yeah. for next year's. Yep. And when um, if a business does, just speaking as a business owner, if a business does give you money to make it happen, make a big deal about what they've done. Not to not to kind of build them up, but honor them. Because of blah, blah, we are able now to bless our parents with a parents' night out. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Things like that. You can do a lot more with your budget if you have zero dollars by just looking at the people within your church or in your community. So, all right. Uh, we'll do one more. Your hand there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep, exactly. Um, my business, what we've done, is just felt something from the Lord, is that all of our tips go to nonprofits every month so my employees don't get tips. Um, so when we hire them, we let them know, you're not getting tip, you're not a tip employee because we believe in being generous as a business. And so we are going to take the money that comes in that people tip and we're going to now bless an organization because we believe God will, God will bless us as we're being a blessing. So in two years of being open, we raised over $32,000 to go to nonprofits locally and globally that the community gave in two years. So now this year, with two locations, I believe that's going to double and our reach is going to impact. Now what's really cool about, which is, huh? Yeah, right. Yeah, you could totally. Um, so what we do is we, we, a lot of the student, a lot of schools will come to us and say, hey, can you sponsor this or can you do this? Can we do this? And if we look at our budget, we're like, we don't have money to do that. But like, wait a minute. We know about it, roughly $1,000 comes in every single month for tips. So yes, we can do that now. Yes, we can do that now. Chances are, if you find the right business people that have the heart, especially if they're a follower of Jesus, they're going to give because they understand the value of giving. Just pray and ask the Lord, who are the people that you want me to go to to fund this specific one? So maybe they have kids in your kids' ministry, or maybe they serve alongside of you. They want a night out with their wife or their husband. They might tell their business, hey, this is a good idea because free date, right? So it's very, very possible. So let's move on. So those are good thoughts, some different things that you can do. Let's move on to outreach. How will uh, an impactful outreach? Um, um, I want to read something from uh, Charles Spurgeon. This is a book that Dick Ruber had us read. It's Come, Come Ye Children. It's a small little book. Um, um, it's just kind of a collection of Charles Spurgeon's um, sermons on children, and uh, it's just it's interesting. I just want to read the I just want to read this line about how Spurgeon encourages teachers and parents to go out in the community to win to bring people uh, bring children to churches. You're going to laugh. It's hilarious. When I was in Scotland, we sent a bellman around a village to secure an audience, and the plan was immensely successful. All right, so get a bellman. There we go. It's your first one. Spare no right means but to, do, but to get the children in. Now, that sounds like, oh, excuse me? Um, watch that one. I have known ministers who have gone out into the streets on the Lord's Day afternoon and talked to children who were playing about and so induced them to come to school. 
This is what an earnest teacher will do. He will say, John, come into our school. You cannot think what a nice place it is. Then he gets the children in, and in his kind, winning manner, he tells them stories and antidotes about the girls and boys who love the Savior. And in this way, the school is filled. So go and catch the children. There's no law against it. I mean, I guess kidnapping is a law against it, so I wouldn't go that far. Right, but this is, his line is this, all is fair in war against the devil. So my first instruction is get the children and get them anyhow you can. And his next one is get the children by loving, by making them love you. So how do we create an effective outreach? Where are your kids? That's what Spurgeon's writing here. They sent people out about where are the kids? I'm going to send people out to go get them. And now we're going to say, we're going to have fun today. But we're going to go do it over there. So why don't you come, and we're, and we're going to make this thing happen. Children will fall in love with you instantaneously. Uh, Dick Gruber used to say this all the time. You can have a handful of children. Half will cling to you. Half will hate you. So you need someone else in your room that will love them because they will love that person. They're not going to like you. So we need a team of people to actually make this happen. So how do you actually make an effective outreach? Um, this was something that I had a very hard time with at, in Pennsylvania because the methods that I was using were older methods um, that I thought were going to be very successful. Now being a business owner doing this mission thing, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so easy. Why didn't I think through this stuff? It's really simple. Mind-blowing things, ready? And you guys are going to be like, wow, right? First one, how do you create an effective outreach? What does your community need? I know, mind-blowing, right? Wow, that's really, woo! Pay lots of money for that one. No, seriously. What's a hole in your community? What do they need? Now, if you want to focus specifically on children, what's the hole in my community about children? Is it education? Is it good food? What, what, what is it? Um, in Hilliard, we have a very large Hispanic and Somalian population. And in that, You've got a lot of parents moving in from different parts of the world that are coming into central Ohio, and Hilliard's growing because of that. Well, the kids are automatically in rules in school, so they're speaking English, but the parents are not. So the parents, there's a need, need to learn to speak English so they can get jobs in America, so they can pay their bills, and their kids continue, can be successful with the American dream of having the freedom to do that. Well, there's a group that was created called SUN, which is Serving Our Neighbor. They got together, and their entire thing is to take care of the children. And in so taking care of the children, they've created ESL classes. About, I don't know, I don't know the percentage, it's a pretty high percentage of people, of kids and families in Hilliard that do not have lunch or dinner when school is done. Which is mind-blowing to me because if you know anything about Hilliard, you're like, really? Yeah, there's a high percentage there. So what does this group do? Well, those kids don't have lunch or dinner, so let's create a free lunch program. Well, how are we going to do it? It's a lot of money. We're talking thousands of kids. Let's go to the businesses. Maybe the businesses would be willing to sponsor. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, we'll get on board, feed our kids. Yeah, we'll get on board, feed our kids. Yeah, we'll get on board. So every year they have a growing feeding program that gives the kids their breakfast, lunch, or lunch and dinner. On Tuesdays and Thursday nights, they have an ESL class for the parents. The parents are whisked away. They're taught English. Well, who's going to take care of the kids? What are the kids going to do? Let's create a kids' church program about them to teach them about Jesus, but then also teach them skills like baking and carpentry and electricity stuff and what are they doing they're inviting different 
business people and different people that know different trade stuff to come in to teach these little kids how to do it. My best friend Jason, who we've taken two missions trip to El Salvador with, he's just a handyman, single guy, late 50s, probably not going to get married, probably not going to have kids. His heart breaks for children. He wants a way. When he goes to El Salvador, he can serve the kids. But when he comes to America, he's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, he's got an outlet now where he's so in love with these kids. Now, now they're giving him opportunities to go serve as like a dad in the schools to these kids that don't have a dad because they're incarcerated or something like that. Just by finding out what the need is in the community, you have a program. Now, I'm not saying that's what you're going to do. Just finding that was just a very simple way. Okay, what does our community need? And don't sit in your desk or at home and look out your window. Wow, I wonder what this community needs. <laughs> oh, I know. It needs a better bench program. We need benches all over the city. That's a great idea. People sit now. Go into your community, find out where the families are, find out where the people are, and actually ask the questions, what, what do we need to connect? Um, next, discover what other people are doing in your community and join what they're doing. So Sun Ministry, I don't need to create a lunch program for kids. I don't need to create ESL classes for kids with my ministry. I don't need to do that. I will now join Sun Ministry. What can we as a business do? What can we as a church do to, make, to accomplish your mission? Really simple. Nothing difficult at all. You're like, well, I want to start my own thing. Great. Go for it. Don't kill yourself. Join something that's already happening. Make it even better with your skills and with the people that you're doing life with. Um, last one. Discover what programs or businesses or operations, well, same thing that you can partner with in the, in the community. So how do you design an impactful? Now, let's say you're called to actually design a, a, an outreach program that you're like, yeah, I really want to do something. Uh, first thing you do is pray. Pray, 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 pray. God, what do you want us to do? What's out there in the community? Do you want us to do like a light to night thing? Do you want us to do like a harvest party thing? Do you want us to do um, something here? Something, what, what, what is it? After you do your R&D, your research and development into the community, what the community actually needs, start praying about it. And then start getting a group of people around you that have the same heart that you have for people. So you might be a volunteer in your church that you and somebody else literally do everything. That person may not be the best person for you to grab to do this extra thing. So you might have the heart. They may not have the heart. Don't include them in it. Let them be faithful where they're at unless God says to do it. Pray and ask the Lord, God, who do you want to do this with? How, how is this going to work? God will send, you the, God will send it to you. Um, investigate your community. Find out what needs to do. Um, Invite, invite teams. Uh, this is another thing that I used to do in Pennsylvania is I used to go to the different churches and I used to invite them to be part of what we were doing. Saying, what if we did it together? What if you had your volunteers, I had my volunteers, we did it together, boom. Chances are your lead pastor, if he's doing anything really good in the community, he's part of some sort of leadership pastor thing in the area. Not just the Assemblies of God, but maybe in your local area. So they might know the pastor down at blah, 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 Methodist Church. And they might know the, the priest over here at you know St. Brennan's or whatever the deal is. They might know that person. Just might know. Go to your lead pastor. Hey, think about doing this outreach. What do you think about extending an opportunity for them to be part of this? So now you just multiplied yourself in your vision, and that's people that might be, you may not get the whole church, but you might get a couple of people. They're like, it's a good idea. And see what you just did? The body of Christ coming together in different ways to serve their community. And now the walls are teared down between denominations, between mindsets, because you all love Jesus, and you all love your community. Let's make it a really neat kingdom God thing. And then the community is like, oh, wait a minute, they actually do love each other. Well, that's different. 
So it can get a little touchy, but uh, trust me, it, it can work. Um, so those are some things to um, when it comes to opportunities, when it comes to doing outreach ministry. But how about you? Let's do a couple of things. Our time's running short. Yeah. Can you do that? Yeah. We have a, what we call Lift It Up, mm -hmm. and we have all the churches come together, and they had 300 tickets available, and they yeah. needed more. That's awesome. 300 available. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, partner with churches. Yeah. Uh, our pastor site is really awesome with our food ministry. Mm. The, like you said, there were several kids who weren't getting food on the weekends because the parents were using it for jobs or yeah. money or whatever yeah. it was. We started with about eight kids, and it's grown over the country. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, partnerships together. Partnerships are, are absolutely amazing. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yep. 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 It starts small, but it, it can it can grow. Yeah. There's a lot of ways you can do things outreach. So again, when it comes to outreach, we're not talking about. Yes, you want people to come to Jesus. That that would be awesome. But don't worry about that. Don't, I mean, it sounds bad coming from a pastor. Don't worry about that, all right? Worry about what is the need in the community that we can reach that's really simple, that's does not going to take a lot of time and money. Because eventually, we'll get there where it's pretty massive. And there's a lot of people, and there's a lot of money that goes into this. But let's start really simple. It might just be easy. I had this crazy idea once that, I mean, not, not many people. It's like, what if we had a massive snowstorm on a Sunday morning? And instead of trying to get everyone to church on Sunday morning, what if the pastor was like, hey, I want you to go to your neighbor and shovel their sidewalk. Hey, I want you to go to your neighbor and shove your sidewalk. I want you to go to your neighbor. What if we had that? Where everyone was serving? That would change everyone's perspective. And what if you had all the churches doing that? So you start small with yourself, get a couple people that do something like that, and then you start inviting other people. I mean, shoveling your sidewalk is not that hard. Or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, serving. So if you can go back to that, it's good. All right, one last thing, and then we'll move on. Yeah. Well, I was going to... Cheap club. <laughs> You're okay. Um, for those of you that don't know, the state, um, in the Kidman area, we have Stacy Petty, who's mm -hmm. at the, the district office, who heads up all of our Kidman program. Every section of the state also has a Kidman rep who yeah. Stacy works through. And we are a resource for you guys. So if you don't know, I mean, I'm Columbus West. Um, are you still Columbus uh, East? <coughs> uh, Troy, you guys are South Central. Are there any other? Yeah. So, <coughs> excuse me. Most of, a bunch of us are in here. There's like six others for the other sections. Yeah. We're here to help you. If you yeah. have an idea. Yeah. It says, hey, this is a ministry outreach we want to try. Yeah. We don't know where to start. Yeah. Get with us. And, and we may say the same thing. Hey, I don't know either, but there's probably somebody in this state who does, and we'll start the telephone tree running, and we'll get, yeah. we'll get some support there for you. Yep. Um, but just understand that the Kidman department is, is here to help you know, make things happen for your kids' ministry. Yeah. I mean, there may be other ministries in here, but I know we're focusing on kids' ministry. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. We're here to help you guys. Yeah, so. yeah we are. We're here to help. Um, my wife and I are one of the coaches for the Kidsmen thing, so you can call us and ask us questions. We can walk you through stuff. And as a business owner, if there's something that I can do for my coffee shop or whatever to help you accomplish what God's doing too, I want to be part of that, which is a unique position for me because I never thought I would be in this type of position. So, with that being said, if we don't 
don't know the answer. Yeah. Find the answer. Yes. Yeah. 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 Know that you're connected. You're not by yourself when it comes to this stuff. You're going to be like, man, I don't have any money. I don't have any volunteers. I don't know how to do this stuff. You're not alone. Chances are you just need to pick up a phone or send out a quick email to Stacy or one of, the, one of the reps, and then they can help you kind of think through these outreach opportunities. But chances are God's already told you or given you everything you need that's right in front of you. You just need to see it. Chances are. And it's really hard to see. You just might need some people to help you and affirm you to make it happen. But chances are it's right in front of you already. No, you're fine. One last one. We're doing this. We are in the room right now. And we may be thinking one way. But I'm one of the people that when I begin to ask God and he called me to this children's ministry, Mm. some of the places he sent some of us are going to be places we wouldn't want to be. True. Because he sent me in the worst, one of the worst projects in the city of Dayton. Yeah. And he sent me into that project. They began to know me there. And this is just the truth, y'all. Now, <laughs> this is the truth. Don't judge it. I have drug dealers. I have yeah. drug dealers funding my outreach to children. Yeah. And yeah. I took their money. Yeah, yeah, too, yeah. You take their money. That's right. You, you take... You take the money. That's, I like it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Last one real quick. Um, and I think, I think I'm supposed to be done at 315. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're almost there. All right. Cool. Good. We're on topic. All right. Preventing burnout. Um, <laughs> this one's fun. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this one's fun. Um, how do you how do you prevent burnout? Um, a couple things that I um, have discovered is you want to make sure you're connecting with God often. Um, I know it sounds really basic Christianity, but I'm not lying. You got to connect to the source of why you're doing what you're doing because if you're not, you're going to get burned out real fast. The kids ministry is not some sort of easy thing where you just come sit down and take care of kids. Oh, it's taxing emotionally. It's, it's taxing mentally where you're just ready to wring their little heads because you don't understand why they're throwing a fit. Or like my daughter last night at 1 o'clock, at 3 o'clock, woke up, my three-year-old. And I'm like, what's wrong? Like, I got a long day. Go to bed. You're fine. Right? Okay? This is not, right? We have a dog. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you get those times, so you need to connect with God often. You also need to connect with other people. You need to connect with other people. Um, You need to find these three people. And this is important. It's something I've learned. You need to find someone that's above you. Someone who is maybe a little bit older than you or maybe a little bit more experienced than you in your ministry or in what you're doing. You need to find someone who's above you. Then, actually, you need to find someone that's kind of in the same sphere of life or same sphere of ministry as you. So, a partner. So, you need a leader. You need a partner. And then the last one, you need to find someone that you can mentor to bring up. Now, it sounds weird. You're like, oh, that's a lot of people. No, 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 trust me. You're going to have the mentor above you that can feed into you, that can encourage you, that can correct you. You have the partner that's next to you going like, we're going to do this together. We can do this. You can self-encourage each other. Then you have the person below you going like, your life is so easy. <laughs> you have no idea. And then you can pull them up and say, let's do this together. Okay? Having those three people in your life will help the burnout not happen. Because you have people pouring into your life. Um, so daily time with God. Um, find ways that you can... That's not what you're doing. So now, it's hard for me because I love coffee. And I turn my passion into coffee as a business. So me making coffee at home... Ooh, 
it's not as exciting anymore because I can go and pull shots of espresso at my shop. So I had to, I had to find a different avenue that kind of energizes me. And cooking has become that for me because we like having people over my house and I want to make good food for the people that come over to my house. So find something that's not what you're doing that you can add into. Um, as a kids pastor before we did the coffee thing, I had no hobbies. I was horrible at carpentry. <laughs> I can do some basic electrical work. I had no, no joy whatsoever cooking. I, had no, I didn't like coffee at the time. No hobbies whatsoever. I was so focused in on the ministry that I had nothing else that I could go to to energize me. That was a problem. Oh, but I like reading books. Yes, but that is not going to help you get outside of your own head. So you got to do something with somebody else, something with your hands, something with somebody else to kind of get it energized and do something else. Um, so why, why, do we get, why do we get burned out? Some reasons. We're overwhelmed. There is a lack of, how do you know, uh, there's a lack of passion anymore for what you're doing. This hopeless feeling. You're physically and emotionally exhausted. Now, this is not the same as laziness. Okay? This is not, it's like, oh, I'm just, like, my wife and I, Sharon, we get home and we're just, we sit on the couch, we're like, we're done. And we look at each other and we're like, we're being lazy. And then the other one would correct each other, we're going like, no, we're exhausted. We're, we're, we're running hard. We're running hard. And it's okay to relax. It's okay to breathe. It's okay to take care of yourself. You need to do that. If not, you will go. How do you know if you're burned out? The joy that you once had for kids is gone. The moment you think of kids, you just want to punch them in the face. Okay? The moment you see a kid, you're just like, oh, I don't want... Okay, you know you need a break. <laughs> or you're going to jail. All right? So you, you, know, you know these are things to do. Okay? So um, we get burned out when we don't care for each... We don't care for ourselves. And we don't renew that vision that God has put in our life by spending time. So we, we lose that stuff. Um, so you need to rest, more than likely. So you got to minister yourself. So you need a vacation. You need a break. No phones. Don't check your email. You're not that important. Try to tell my wife that for years. She doesn't believe me. You're not that important. You know you check your email. Everything is fine. Leave it alone. Um, exercise or do some sort of physical action. I don't have time in my schedule to exercise, but I like going for a walk. That's my exercise. But you're not getting your heart rate elevated and you're going to get a show I'm walking around. It's the best that I can do. I don't have a 9 to 5 schedule that I can plan my life out that makes it really easy for me. This is, this is what I can do. Um, if you're in a kids ministry area and you barely see your lead pastor's sermon or wherever like that is, and they don't have the ability to record online or something like that, God has blessed us with the internet. And he has blessed us with churches that are larger that have recorded their sermons where you can get filled up or listen to their podcasts. I used to do that all the time in Pennsylvania. I had never once heard my lead pastor's sermon because I was always in the kids' area and they didn't really have the ability to record yet. They were just working on it, but they didn't have it. So I would listen to Craig Rochelle, Andy Stanley. I would listen to these other pastors. Why? Because I need to be filled. And if I'm pouring out constantly, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and no one's filling into me besides my personal devotional time, I need someone else to get me out of my own head as an introvert. And so it was, it was, just, it was just really helpful. Um, so anyways, um, ladies, I have someone that I'm, and we're out of time here, but I wanted to at least sh uh, share these real quick. Um, ladies, there is someone that I have hired at my coffee shop. Her name is Millie. And she is specifically designed as a coach for females in ministry. 
So she loves the Lord, she loves Jesus, she loves coffee, and I have her cards here. So if you yourself as a lady that are just like, man, I need a coach, or I need someone to help me through life, or I feel exhausted, She's an employee of mine. She is amazing. She is awesome. So if you like her cards, I got three cards here. So if there's more people that want cards, I just encourage you to take your cell phone out and take a picture. So at the end, I'm going to leave these up here. She is absolutely phenomenal. She feels like God has uniquely positioned her to help ladies in ministry context form to get them out of a burnout stage or just encourage them through life. She's really, really awesome and really amazing. So, all right. So, yeah, so that's that's it. So burnout, you just got to take care of yourself. You're you are very important. Take care of your body. Take care of your mind. Take it. Do the best you can. You're not gonna be bulk healthy person all the time. Not gonna happen. Do the best you can with what you have. And we we'll go from there. All right, let me pray for you guys real quick, and then you guys can head you guys can head out. So. Jesus, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the opportunity that we can come and um, just learn together about how to, to be effective kids ministry workers, to how to connect to our lead pastor, how to use a budget for you, God, how to um, create an outreach that's impactful to the community, and most importantly, God, how to prevent burnout. God, I pray for every single one of these people in this room that you would just put your spirit of blessing and spirit of rest upon their shoulders so they can go home so when it comes tomorrow with Sunday and them serving faithfully where they're at, they would have a renewed vigor in their life that, they would, that people would see. God, that you would give them fresh ideas. God, not more work to do, but vision. Vision that would propel them into the next part of their season, the next part of their life, so they can move forward with this tenacity and this focus that is so convincing and so contagious. God, I pray for those that are in a, a ministry context where they don't know their lead pastor, or maybe they have tension with their lead pastor, and it's not going very well. Father, I pray that you would move on their hearts, that they would be united. God, that through serving and through humility, God, that trust would be built and that your kingdom would move forward together. God, I pray for those that are struggling with budget or have no money whatsoever for a budget and they're not sure how to start. God, I pray that you start giving me ideas of how to raise money. I pray that you start giving me ideas that can really invest within, not just in the church's life, but in the community's life, that they can ask other people to be part of it to give money to make your kingdom expand in their, in their area. God, I pray for those that are thinking about outreach in their area or maybe feeling pressure from their leadership team to create an outreach or maybe they just feel pressure. Hey, I'm a kid. I work in the kids. I, I should do some outreach thing. God, I pray that you would give them simple ideas that are impactful for their community. And God, if you call them to walk away from their church to do the community things instead of asking them to come to the church, I pray you give them the boldness to make that happen. That these people would be agents, would be missionaries to their community. That they would leave the comfort of what they know to go somewhere that they don't know to shine that light, to meet that need, whatever it might be. God, give them the boldness to make that happen. And lastly, God, I pray for those that are exhausted those that are tired, those are just, they just don't have it in them anymore. They might just want to give up. Or they work with people that are on the brink of giving up for whatever reason. God, I pray first and foremost that your Holy Spirit will graciously lead them back into a relationship with you. 
God, that you would graciously and love on them, that you still love them and you still care for them. Even if they walk away, they're not, you're not done with them. God, you're still with them and you still love them. And God, that you would renew their passion and renew their focus to love on this ministry and these kids well and these families well. Because God, this is the next generation and we want to invest in them. And we want to make sure that they know that you are calling them to do some great things in whatever vocation, whatever calling, whatever job that you tell them to do. So I pray that you would energize them and give them opportunities to feel energized. That by the end of the day, they know that they are loved by you and they are solid in knowing who you are. Because God, it's that confidence, it's that peace that we want to translate to the kids and to the families into our own families and into our community. So God, thank you for this time. Bless them as they go home. Give them a safe travel and allow wonderful conversations to come together as teams and as their church moves forward and as your kingdom will just purge through this land in amazing ways. In your name, amen. Thank you for your time. Thank you.